Welcome back, everybody, to Uncensored CMO. Now, I've got a real treat for you in this episode. I'm joined by one of the most successful and well-known CMOs in all of America, Bozma St. John. She has run some of the biggest brands in the world. I'm talking about the likes of Apple, Uber, Netflix. Now, not just that, she's also written a fabulous book called This Urgent Life, covering not just her professional life, but her personal life too. It's very emotional, very well worth reading. This is a brilliant conversation. Bose is the epitome of uncensored. We get into some great conversations and she does not hold back. I know you'll love this episode. Here it is. Welcome, Bose, to Uncensored CMO. Thank you so much. I like that, being the uncensored CMO. Well, this is it. I don't think I can think of somebody more uncensored. Having just I'm read you. your book, well, like yeah. it is uncensored by definition, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, the funny thing is that um, I've been called a lot of things, <laughs> as you can imagine. <laughs> uh, unapologetic is one of them. I don't think anyone has said I'm uncensored because it is just the way I am. Yeah. You know, so there's no need to describe me that way. So I think it's perfect to now, be here. I want to start from the book because, well, yeah. first, congratulations on it. Oh, um, thank you. It's... It's very emotional reading. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. it touched me in many ways, I have to say, mm. when I read it. It brought lots of emotions out and mm. lots of insight into, into your life and your culture, lots of things. It, mm. it was really, really quite powerful. Mm. The th- um, one of the things that amazed me is you read your own book. So I was listening to it on yeah. Audible, but you actually read it. Yeah. How was it talking <laughs> oh through your book? I mean, yeah. apart from the time it must have taken, but what was the experience of right. not just writing a book, but also speaking yeah. it, which is a different <sighs> thing? If I'm being honest, I didn't know what I was signing up for when I said I was going to write it. I kind of did it in um, defiance because every publisher wanted me to write the how to be a corporate badass book or how to get to the corner office book, how to be a powerful chick book. You know, and I was like, uh, well, all those things are because of the personal challenges, traumas, losses that I faced. It is, it is why I am who I am. So why would I talk about any of that stuff if I couldn't talk about what has caused me to be this person? And so when I said I was going to write my memoir, there were actually almost every publisher was like, yeah, how about we wait until the next one? Um, but I found, you know, the right publisher who was like, go for it. And in writing, it took me two years to write it. I would do it, you know, on Saturday mornings because I was working at <laughs> a, a real, really big jobs. And um, writing is different because, you know, you're just sort of in your own thoughts, you know, and I did have great partners who would, you know, who I would have come in and ask me questions. And then that way I could talk about it. But those were also trusted people you know, that I could talk to about my experiences and I would just take those conversations and transcribe them and then, you know, add some more color or my editor would say, describe what the room was like or tell us what the nurse was wearing or, you know, any number of things to help jog memory. It was very, very different to then read the words aloud back. You know, even in edits, when my editor was like, you know, can you relook at this chapter and add something or would ask me for some more color? It was rare that I go back and read it. You know, I would just say, okay, where did you want the color? Because I'll just go right to that very sentence and then write the color in there. You know, um, it is, it was very, very difficult. And so reading it was like reliving it. Whereas writing it wasn't necessarily reliving it. And that, that that, that, that's how it felt listening yeah. as well. And and, and I, I I mean, honestly, I, I was on the edge of tears, like just wow. listening to you, honestly, it was yeah. incredible. 
But how you maintain that, I mean, you went deep, didn't you? I mean, like, yeah. I mean boy, yeah. did you go deep. And yeah. you were very honest. And yeah. I remember at one point you were saying that you you, you decided that you're going to tell the whole truth and just, you know, yeah. um, live your truth, really. Yeah. And you do throughout it. Yeah. It must have been so hard to relive some of the things you went through. Oh, it was almost impossible. It really was. And, you know, thanks to uh, movie magic or maybe <laughs> audio audiobook magic, um, there were quite a few times where... Yeah, my voice broke and I would have to take a pause and, you know, the lovely editor who or engineer who baked, you know, fresh sourdough bread, you know, I'd go into the break room and take a slice and take some deep breaths and then head back in. Uh, or some days I'd be like, you know what, that's all I got today. Can't do it anymore. You know, and that'd be it. But it was a really grueling process. I didn't know that a lot of authors don't read their own. <laughs> I didn't, that's a naivete of it all. You know, I didn't know that. Uh, maybe I would have made a different choice. I was really surprised because I, I, you know, I've listened to a few audio books and, and uh, yeah. I think Matthew McConaughey's, I think he reads his green lights, but, but most of them are not read. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, she's talking about such personal things Oh my here. God. Yeah. And, that, you know, incredible. What's the reaction been to, to the book oh, since it's it launched? Been, you know, that's actually the most, the wildest thing to me is the reaction to the book. Book. I think going into it, I thought that people would be interested by my story and then want to hear more about that, right? So again, the question of like, how did she get to what she's doing or mm. how did she reach these heights? And people would be interested to know that. What has been shocking to me are even reactions like yours, yeah. where you're like, oh, it, it brought me to tears or I connected with this part. Because I'm like, how? How did you connect with that? You know, we don't live the same life. We're not the same... If we wrote down all the things about ourselves, we'd probably be so opposite. People would be yeah. like, oh, these two, <laughs> there's nothing that they have in common, you know? Yeah. But And so that has been the most surprising to me. Um, and look, just going on freaking the Amazon reviews alone is like, you know, people tell you to stay out of there, you know? As an yeah. author, they're like, don't go read those reviews. <laughs> but I'm in there and it is just, it's 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 humbling, you know, to see people's, reactions, their connections, the way that they want to tell their own stories. Um, it's fascinating to be in Target or a grocery store or wherever, and people are like, oh, I want to tell you about what happened to me, you yeah. know? And then I'm, I have to stop whatever I'm yeah. doing in whatever mood I'm in yeah. and go down with them, you know? Yeah. And so it's been really, really um, powerful to me because I've always been interested by, by other people's stories. Mm -hmm. And so this is a beautiful moment to have them be interested in yeah. mine. I think that's the power, though, because like you know, you you know, we have very different experiences and lives yeah. and backgrounds, that kind of thing. But the emotion you go through and the questions you ask yourself mm. and the, and mm -hmm. and having to face some situations that absolutely took me back to some moments in my life where I've lost loved ones or yeah. I've been in accidents or mm. I had a house fire, my house burnt down a few oh. years ago. You know, you know, stuff like that that you never expect, and you yeah. you, you kind of think you're the only person ever to have kind yeah. of like dealt with it, and you oh. and then you and then you listen to somebody else. Although a different situation, having to deal with the questions you ask, why me? What, why is this happening? Yeah. You know, how do I bounce back from this? Yeah. And, and, you know, what am I dealing with? And, and you put such a powerful voice to that and, mm. and, and you, you just make it very real oh, in a way. You. And you tell it, you, I mean, you tell it beautifully, but you tell it in an honest way that well, I think isn't usual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, there were quite a few questions <laughs> about that. You know, I do remember my editor once, um, very early actually in my writing, and she was just like, you know, you're not going to be a hero in this book. 
And I was like, oh, I didn't realize that's what I was writing. I was yeah. like, am I, yeah. am I supposed to be the hero? I was like, yeah. I don't know yeah. what else to do. I'm just telling it as it is. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm telling you what I was thinking. I'm telling you what happened, even if it doesn't make me the rosy person, because it's the truth. Yeah. And that actually became really, really difficult in my writing because um, there were times when I would get stuck because I couldn't remember a particular detail. And for myself, not even so much for you or for anybody else who reads the book, I wanted to make sure that I would never come back to reading it and then be like, ah, her uniform wasn't purple. It was gray. That would drive me completely insane, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it was like I needed to write the absolute truth unencumbered, even of my own feelings, because I, I, I didn't at any point want to come back to it and feel the cringe of having told a different story than the actual yeah. truth. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I want to take us to one of the early parts of the book, which is mm. your encounter with Spike Lee, <laughs> which feels just like it's a bit, it's a bit of a sliding doors moment, isn't yes. it? Where you just think your life could have gone in, at that point, gone in so many different directions. Oh and you had this chance meeting with, with, with Spike. But what mm. I love about it is that you took the opportunity, didn't you? <laughs> and, yeah. You know, it talks about naivety. It's like, oh. but, 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 you were well equipped for that moment in a way, yeah, yeah. But, but you kind of talk us through the moment. Cause I, yeah. I love the story here. It kind of might inspire a few people. Right. To, exactly. You know, well, take the context, the context is that I had just graduated from college, from undergrad at Wesleyan university. My parents are, you know, immigrants to the United States. And so I'm first gen. They've put all of the hopes and dreams, and aspirations on me. I was supposed to go to medical school. I'd been pre-med throughout college, had taken the MCAT, you know, it was very well on my way. And I was good in the sciences and math. But in college, I would also take on the arts, you know, and I fell in love with all of these black writers, you know, and really found myself in their stories and their struggle. I also really love Spike Lee because, of course, as an African-American filmmaker, he talked about unapologetic. I mean, he just said whatever came to his head and he'd put the hardest things on screen and would not come down to pop culture rights. You know, he would just be like, no, I'm up here. And so you come meet me where I am. And so it was a chance meeting when I was looking for a temp job, you know, in my break between undergrad and medical school. Um, I was in New York City, didn't know a soul except one, you know, whose couch I was sleeping on. Um, and I was just trying to find <laughs> ways to make money. And so my temp agency sent me to Spike Lee's advertising agency because he had fired his assistant and they needed he needed somebody to answer the phones. And so I sat down in the chair, started answering phones. Hello, this is Spike DDP. How can I help you? You know, and he walked in with a manuscript under his hand or is under his arm and he's, you know, walking in and Spike is a man of few words. And so, you know, he gave me like a little head nod, nodded back at him and he went into his office. And when he was coming back out, it was so naive because I don't think I would have done it today knowing what I know. But at the time, I just saw him coming back and being so curious about what was under his arm. So I simply said, like, what is that? He said, oh, it's the script for my new film called Bamboozled. And I was like, oh, can I read it? Who the hell says that? <laughs> I love this. Who says that? And I think he was also surprised. You know, yeah. it was like that moment where I don't think if he had had a second and more thinking, to think about it. And now what do I do? It, do, do, I, do I say yes? Yeah, like, it's like, what do you do? It's, like, it's, kind of, it's yeah. very unusual because who says that? Yeah. And he was like, sure. And so he gave it gave it to me. He just like literally took it under, from his, under his arm and he handed it to me and he was like, Give it back to me in three days. I think it was like, uh, it was at the end of the week. So I know I had the weekend to read it. 
And I went back to my very dingy little apartment in Jersey City, New Jersey, across the bridge (laughs) in the tunnel from New York City. Um, And I took a red pen to it, like an actual red pen, making markups. Why did I think I should do that? I have no idea why I thought I should do that. Like, why not just read it? And then if I felt (laughs) like- A couple of suggestions, tweaks here and there, maybe. Maybe like, oh, I'd love to talk to you about it over coffee. But no, I didn't say that. (laughs) I just took the red pen, started marking it up, gave it back to him on Monday morning. First of all, he was shocked that I had it back to him on Monday. And then, so he took it, right? Not knowing that I'd marked it up. I was just like, oh, thank you so much. He walks into his office. And then he like immediately like storms back out. And he's like, you took a red pen to my script? And literally it's like, there were only like five people in the office. It was this very small office. And they, everybody was like, quiet. Like you could hear a pen. Like, I, and I literally was sitting there like, oh no, what did I do wrong? It's like wasting, you know? it's like the wasting like, the emperor with yeah, the judgment. I, I, <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't even know what I did wrong, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. and then he was like, you took, a pen, you took a red pen to my script? And then he like just slammed his office door. And I'm sitting there like, holy shit, like, what do I do now? You know, like, I'm going to get fired. Like, I have nowhere else to go. I'm not I'm not making any money. Like, it took months to get this job. Everything is running through my head. And I'm sitting there like I've got my purse on my lap. Still answering the phone, though, you know? <laughs> and then he comes out of his office like 20 minutes later. And he's like, hmm, you made some good suggestions, you should oh. say. Dude. Wow. Changed my life. It was wow, like, it, just, it changed my entire life. Because should I have been fired that day, Mm. I've talked about this a lot, I probably would have had to go back home to Colorado to my parents who would have absolutely bawled me out. (laughs) (laughs) I probably would have had to go to medical school. You and I definitely wouldn't be sitting here now. We wouldn't. You know, and I'd just be like maybe some cool ass doctor in like Minnesota. (laughs) Isn't it amazing that these these life-changing things happen by a simple decision to be brave and just take a chance? Yeah, yeah. How many people, 99 people would have gone, oh, I couldn't possibly do that. Right. Yeah. But also it's like, you know, it is why, like, I love instinct so much. I depend on it. There's not a decision I make today that is not based on instinct. Like, my first instinct is always it. Mm. I'm not going to overthink anything. I promise you I won't. Mm. Like, it, it could be any, it could be like the biggest decision. And I'm like, what do I feel first? And also, even in my marketing teams, I that is the way I lead. Anybody who's ever worked with me will tell you that. That like, if you bring a piece of work and we watch it or you present it and I'm like, what did you feel? And you start with some long thought out explanation. I'm like, ah, no, next. Yeah. You know, because yeah. it's like that, that for whatever that first thing is should be what tells you, you know? And so for me, it's like that first instinct to say, I want to read it. There's a lot of science there, isn't there? Because you know, because yeah. because our our emotions can respond far quicker than our thought mm-hmm. can, and the thought tends to post-rationalize That's why correct. I want to do something. But you need to capture That's the. Right. It's like when everyone, whenever, whenever I'm, uh, you know, buying some advertising and mm-hmm. they pitch the idea, yeah. I have to write down exactly what I feel the first time <laughs> because you get two right. hours of explanation afterwards, oh and by then you've changed your mind completely. Totally, you are no longer. Ugh. The audience, are you? No, you are. You you couldn't be more right. I mean, that's exactly it. And so it's like, yeah, does that piece of work make you excited? Yeah. Does it make you curious? Yeah. Scare you? Bore you? Do you need explanation afterwards? Yeah. Eh. Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah. How how many campaigns are way too clever? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. If somebody has to explain it to you, then forget it. Put it to the side. No, you need to start again. Yeah. It's like when you do that research, you know, behind the closed doors, and you you spend two hours with people testing an idea. Yeah. And I'm like, look, 
the person walking down the street that's got two seconds to look at your billboards oh. has not got a crowd of people around going, now let me talk you through right. the strategy here. What we're trying to get are these reasons to believe. Yeah, the context is this. We're moving you through the journey. Right, right, right. Exactly. That never happens. So it you're doesn't right. happen in real life, no. does it? No, that it doesn't. So that instinct of that moment with Spike changed my life, like in a very practical way, mm. but also just the way I am in the world. Mm. You know, working off of that gut has absolutely changed the way that I move in the world. Yeah. And I think it's just made the world better for me. Yeah, it has, hasn't it? Yeah. And, and you know, in terms of decision-making as well, because in the book you talk a lot about the, the points that you're making decisions and, 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 yeah. and trusting your guts as well. Yes. And, and maybe let's talk about some of the kind of roles you've had as well, because uh, like yeah. it's almost like a who's who of like, like <laughs> the most successful businesses in the world. But I mean, you know, you've worked at Apple, you've worked yeah. at Netflix, you've worked at Uber, yeah. you've worked at Pepsi, of course, earlier yeah, in your yeah. career. Yeah. Um, what have been the standout moments from working mm. for some of the biggest? I mean, it's just the, the sort of companies that people, you know, wait their whole careers to yeah. try and work for. What What have you seen in those businesses? Oh, what stands gosh. out for you? Because that is such it's a, a privileged position, question. isn't it, to see know. yeah across all those businesses? Yeah, um, I think maybe aside from Pepsi, I've worked almost entirely for founder-led companies. Yeah, <sighs> right. Even Apple. Right, because I worked with Eddie Q, yeah, who was at the very beginning with Steve Jobs, um, and so it's been a lot of founders. That's tough, isn't it? That's really, really tough. But I think um, now that I think about it, gosh, this is like really off the top of my head, you know. Like I haven't thought about this in particular before, but I think what I really love about those environments is that those are born from instinct and emotion. Hmm. it's not logic <laughs> because at some point one of them said, Oh, you know what? I want to do this. And I bet a lot of people were like, no, I don't do it. Oh my God, it's going to fail. Blah, 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 blah. And then for whatever reason they were like, Oh no, I'm going to go for it. And then who success, 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 you know? Yeah. And I, even though I have not been a founder, I feel very emotional in my work. You know, I'm not the person who's going to over explain or use too much quote-unquote logic or math mm. in getting to the answer. And so in that way, I feel very passionate about the business or the work I'm in. You know, and so, yes, I can look back, of course, in my career and be like, oh, my God, like all these companies, da, 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 da. But I think it is what has attracted also founders to me. You know, because um, also, honestly, I, I haven't ever gone to apply mm. for these jobs. They came, they came and found me. <laughs> and so perhaps that's that's part of the answer. Yeah. You know? There's an amazing book, actually, reminding me of that, that I think it's called The Founder's Mentality. Mm. I think it's called The Founder's Mentality. Found 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 but they, they talk about the um, fact that in founders their businesses, you're so much closer to the customer. Mm. You've got like a passion that, mm -hmm. you, know, to, you know, and you're also more obsessed about the execution yes. of what you're doing. You know, become, yeah. you know, whereas in big corporate companies like Pepsi and others, yeah. there, there's a way of doing things, isn't yeah. there? It, yeah. th 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 there's a 10-step process yeah. or there's a you know review where you do reviews and things it's all kind of laid out whereas right. you know, in, in founder companies yeah. it's much more about passion being close to your customer having ideas yes. and executing them brilliantly and they care yeah. you know i mean look i i went to work at uber because i had what was supposed to be a one-hour lunch with travis kalanick who's a founder mm. and it turned into eight hours wow. of us like arguing and challenging and me being like well 
screw off then. Like, you do it your way. I'm out of here. <laughs> you know? Because I was like, I don't care. I'm a, I'm at Apple. Like, I, I don't need to be here. You know? And that idea of the care, concern, real emotion, no logic, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> is what I believe creates the, su- the success of these companies. Yeah. You know, like somebody who really is just like, by any means necessary, I'm going to make this work. Yeah. And you need people who believe that, even if it's not their own baby, to make that also work. And that's why I think I've had the career that does, had. that does make sense now I think about it, because as a founder, eight hours being challenged, right, is probably going to be like, this is brilliant, right? She cares. <laughs> I'm going to learn something. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in a big corporate organization, they'd be like, Oh my Please God. Please don't hide. <laughs> right, right, right. She's right. not going to fix it. Or you're going to use gonna, like careful disrupt. words. Yeah, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like some, like, you know, but I'm over here like, are you stupid? Yeah. Like how, how could you even do that? And why would you do that? No, you should do this because this is going to do, 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 you know? And I'm just like, I'm over here in a tussle with you. Yeah. You know, it's like, this is not going to be clean. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, oh, you've led some big teams, you know, is managing some big brands. What's the secret yeah. to leadership? Because I know I was listening to you talk about kind of, <laughs> you know, talent versus leadership. And it's yeah. you, you can be very good at something. Yeah. It's not the same thing as being, uh, as leading others. Yeah. They're, they're very different things. And oh. I often joke that the CMO is rarely like the best marketer. And the, mar- the best marketer <laughs> is rarely the CMO, is, right. you know, because there are certain skills you need, don't you, to lead yeah. that don't exist. Oh, that um, is a really hard question. Because it's something I wrestle with a lot. Because yeah. you know, I can often know the answer, but yeah. helping lead others yeah. can be quite a challenge, can't it? You know, I think if I think back on it, the thing that I love most is actually what um has helped me lead teams is that I actually really love the work. You know, like I get so excited about the work. So I can I can call up a dozen black people who've worked for me who have been like extra charged up in the meeting they had with me to present, Mm. you know, versus going into the meeting and having to defend and then coming out dejected. You know, it's like, if I make you feel dejected, it's because the idea wasn't good. And look, I'm going to be straight up about it. I'm going to be like, this is, this is a load of shit. You know that. Like, I don't even know why you brought that in here. (laughs) You know? (laughs) And so at least you know you're getting the truth. You know, I'm not going to like slice and be like, well, what if you just made that green? Yeah. You know, I'm just like, this is terrible. Get this out of here. You know what I mean? And because I love the work, like I, I, I'm not, I'm not here for the administrative thing, you know. I, again, it's like it just comes back to even to my relationship with the CEO, right? Because that's what you do as a CMO, right? Yeah. You're here to shepherd the idea, present it to somebody else, and then go. You know, most of the time that's what you're doing, or yeah. to the board or whomever else, right? Because you're going to make the call, yeah. and then somebody's going to challenge it, and somebody's going to say, oh, blah, blah, blah. So what you're doing with your team is to try to narrow it down so that it's the most defendable thing. I am not interested in defending the art. I'm not. It's great or it's not. And either you see it or you don't. And I don't care if you don't see it, because I see it. And, you know, the, to the point that you said, like, you know, most of the time the best marketer is not the CMO. I'm like, I do think I'm the best marketer. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, when you come to me, you, you better be damn good, <laughs> you know, because I'm great. And so the thing is that, like, I'm in the work. Like, I, I want to understand how we got to this idea. I want to know who we're talking to, if it makes me laugh, if it makes me inspired. And if it doesn't do any of those things, eh, you know? And so I think leadership for me anyway, has been about 
getting into the work. And I know that sometimes, you know, people say that like, oh, then, you know, you become like a micromanager or you're too far in the weeds and you need to let other people and delegate and all that. I'm not trying to like make the work myself. I think there's a difference. Mm. I'm trying to recognize good work. Yeah. So I'm the one who's like, ding, that one is it. And ding, that one is yeah. it. You know, it's like, yeah. no, your your job is to make it. Now, I'm going to come tell you whether or not that is a good idea because maybe you're too close. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. Now, how, now, because I'm with you, how do you then take that to, let's say, a CFO or mm-hmm. a CEO? Mm-hmm. Right. Because, you know, we talked about feelings, Ooh. emotion, instinct, right? Yes. Now, my experience as CEOs and CFOs, they're not always, <laughs> they're not always in our camp, are they? <laughs> to never put it politely. In our camp. About? Have we ever met one, right? No, no, no never okay. met right. one. Okay. No. <laughs> No, you're right. You know, um, gosh, this is going to be hard to say, but I'm going to say it, which is that I have not made a lot of friends with CFOs and CEOs because of that reason. Yeah. You know, and but I think it's important to set that out from the beginning. And this is why I also think it's important that, um, and look, I'm in a very privileged place when I say this, but it's like, I haven't gone looking for the job. So if you came to me, then you know exactly what you're getting. Mm. And so if you're a CEO, founder, more than likely. Anyone listening. <laughs> exactly. Who's coming to my doorstep yeah. to say, Bose, we need you to come and do this. Then you better give me the room. Yeah. And the moment you stop giving me the room, we have a problem. <laughs> Actually, you have a problem. I don't have a problem. <laughs> you have a problem. <laughs> you know? But that's that's what it's been like for me. Yeah. You know, which is just like, look, I, I'm the one who's here to crown the idea, the one that's going to take us forward. And look, they won't always win. I can I can admit that. You know, so there have been many CFOs who've been like, mm, "Told you, you spend way too much money on this, <laughs> da, 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 and it tanked." Yeah. And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Let me give me another go." You know, and it's been tough. I'm not saying that it's an easy thing. I'm not saying that it's like um, always the most comfortable. But again, even back to your question about leadership, but that's what we're meant to do. Yeah. You know, as a leader, you're supposed to take the hits. And so it's like, look, if if the idea wasn't good that I said was good and it fails or bombs or wasted money, it's like I should take the hit, not the team. Hmm. And that is, I think, what separates great leaders. Yeah. You know, oftentimes you want to move aside and be like, it was him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That well, that's 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 also a difference between isn't it corporate life and founder life, right? Because in, in it's like Game of Thrones in corporate oh, life, man. isn't it? Like how 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 fast can I throw someone else under the bus? I remember like the day before I got fired, right? I was, I was oh, doing a presentation, gosh. quarterly presentation to the board, yeah. And uh, the sales director whispered in my ear. He said, "John, this is Game of Thrones, and you've just thrown yourself behind the wrong house." Like this, he whispered to me quietly. And I was like, shit. Oh my God. You know, like, <laughs> I was like, I didn't even know this was the game. I didn't even know. That, <laughs> like, no one told the, me. I didn't know where the houses were. <laughs> I didn't right. get a brief. Like, I just, <laughs> but it's, it's like there's, there's a game, yeah, there's yeah, what yeah. everyone says, and then there's this other game that gets yeah. played around who's going to align with who and who's yeah. going to create alliances yeah. with who. Yeah. In founder companies, it's not like that. It's like, is the work, is it good? Is it going to work? Yeah. You know, did it, did it hit? Yeah. And then, but like, this is the, this is the hardest part is that it's non linear. Right. Yes. And so that is also, you know, a lot of conversations, relationships are also based on this understanding. Right. It's like and this is why I'm just like, oh, my God, it is never in the moment where you're trying to figure out whether something worked or didn't work. It's the understanding that like, hey, look, I'm going to win some. I'm going to lose some. Some of it is going to happen immediately. Some of it's going to happen in the long run. Mm. You've got to give me the room. Yeah. And if you don't trust me, then I shouldn't be here. Yeah. I totally agree. You know, and understanding that 
And that, therefore, when you start to ask me, and I'm talking, like, because I'm talking to the CEO right now, you start to ask me these questions about the decisions I made. Now, we do have a problem. We do. Because it's like, no, I'm here to do this work for the long run, to get you long-term results. Now, if we decided that we needed a quick hit, that's a different strategy. I could do that, too. Mm. But, like, let's make the decision, and then you got to trust me to deliver. Yeah. And if you don't trust me, then I don't need to be here. Yeah. I've walked out you, many you, of room You've for got that. to set that up at the beginning, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, But I had this, yeah. I had this situation where we had a, a massive brand turnaround. It's down 20%. Everyone mm. was panicking. And everyone, everyone was saying to me, you must be worried, John. I said, I'm not worried today. Yeah. Call me in six months. If mm. you haven't turned this thing around, you can fire me then. You yeah. can't fire me now. Right? Exactly. Like, it took me six so, months just it? to get everything together and, you know, re- rebrief the campaign, get oh it all God. out there and, and yeah. turn it around. Yeah. Or, I mean, but to your point, it's like sometimes you do need to understand it from the beginning. Maybe I don't have six months. Yeah. Maybe I have a month. What, what, what do I need to do in a month? Do I need, is there like a plip that I need to get? And then guess what? I'm going to get a sugar high. I'm going to do that because yeah. I can. Yeah. You know, are we talking about long-term health or are we talking about that's like little adrenaline? Because I can do the little adrenaline. But if you want long-term health, that's a different strategy. So again, it's just like understanding. And the better you are at communicating that, the better and more successful you'll be as a leader yeah. for sure. Now, I love your hire bows, get bows kind of thing, you know, because yeah. like, you know, you've built a, a, an awesome reputation. Mm. Ha, has that, have you always had that confidence to have that swagger, get, you know, mm. or, or has that has that grown with you through your career as you've built your reputation? Or yeah. is that something that's innate to you? I'm just trying to understand you yeah. as the person. Is that like, <laughs> were you bossing it at school? Like, exactly. You know? <laughs> I mean, you know what I think? I think, yeah, I think it's a combination of nature yeah. and nurture, you know, Um I have an uncle who cannot believe I'm in this job. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's like, that little quiet mouse? Like, how does she even, you know? But the thing, the truth of the matter of it is that um, I also learned it because I was knocked down so much. You know, it's like talking about reviews. It's like, look, I, I had that that one review, the one that, like, made me throw in the towel. You know, the one that made me say, okay, I'll, I'll just lay down the sword because it's not worth fighting for. You know, the one where they were like, hey, you're not doing enough. You're not even special. So, you know, and I was like, oh, shit. Okay, well, well, I guess I'm never going to make it to the corner office. So I might as well do whatever the hell I want to do. <laughs> you know, like, I think maybe other people go home and cry. Well, I that's it, like, isn't it, with those? Because they're, they're another sliding doors moment. What, what, yes. what do you do with that moment? What do you do with that feedback? Oh, you, you, man. It, it can eat you. See? That's the or thing. Or it can make you. I, th- but that's why I feel like that's part of the nature part is that like instead of being like, oh, no, woe is me. I just said, well, fuck it. Yeah. You know, like you don't like me anyway. <laughs> so I might as well just do what I want to do. And I mean, I, I was literal. Like it was like from my outfit to what I said in meetings. Like I was just like, well, fuck it. Like what are you going to do to me? You're never going to promote me. I did the biggest thing in the world and you said I didn't do enough. So I might as well wear this leather to the office. I might as well, like, give you my real opinion in the meeting. And then, oh, my God, lo and behold, that shit worked. Yeah. Uh, you could have knocked, you could still knock me over with a feather. Like, I still sometimes turn around and I'm just like, I cannot believe they go for this. You know what I mean? Because it was like, I just stopped really caring because I recognized that all the effort, oh, my God, the effort I put into trying to make people like me, trying to make people see the world the way I see it, trying to validate myself in rooms that were just not built for me was exhausting. Mm. And then when I was knocked down for it and people were like, yeah, actually, you're right. We don't, we actually don't care. 
And then I just was just like, okay, well then, this is a whole ruse anyway. This was like not set up for me anyway. So then it actually gave me more freedom because I was like, oh, okay, I get it. I'm not supposed to win. Oh, all right. Man, you should have told me that from the beginning. <laughs> it's the game. The rules of the game, yeah. right? No one tells you this. No, stuff. no, no. <laughs> but, you know, because I could see my other colleagues, you know, the nice white guys that they really liked, mm. they were stressed out trying to compete with each other to get to the corner. And when I found out that I was no longer in the competition, I was like, oh, fantastic. Let me take off this hat anyway. Whew, God, what a relief. But I do wonder how many businesses have been built off the back of those kind of realizations, mm. you know, because you do wonder whether you'd be in the position you are today. Yeah. In, in, in a sense, had those experiences not happened. No, you're, you're otherwise you, right. you'd be just knocking up the, the career ladder in, in the right time that everyone expects Absolutely. you to, ticking the box in the development program. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's why I get so frustrated sometimes when I'm in these conversations with quote unquote mentees, right? Yeah. Who are simply trying to play the game. Yeah. They're like, oh, but I don't want to say that in the meeting or, you know, who, who should I network with or what conversation? And I was just like, yo, I don't even do those coffees. Yeah. yeah. Like, are you kidding me? I'm not wasting my time trying to suck up to that person. Yeah. No, I'm just going to go do the work. And when I get in the meeting, I'm just going to say whatever I want to say. And if they don't like it, then they don't like it. And they're like, well, what if you get fired? I'm like, nobody's firing me. They just, they're going to leave me alone. Because I was like, I'm just going to be stuck in the middle. It's quite liberating being fired, oh isn't my it? God, like, it's once, so you, once, once you've been once fired, it's lies. like, I'm no longer afraid. <laughs> no longer afraid. <laughs> you I'm can't like, touch me. okay. And, you know, yeah. I mean, it hurts my feelings because I'm just like, yeah. wait, you don't want me? Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, but and then it's just like, you get over it because it's yeah. just like, oh, I see. Okay, well, I yeah. can just go somewhere else. Yeah. Now, let's, let's talk about, uh, I, I, as I listened to your book, um, th there was one phrase that really stood out to me when talking about this kind of thing, which mm -hmm. is the dawn always comes. Mm. Talk me yeah. about the moment where, where that became real for you, because yeah. it, it, I think so many people resonate with that yeah. emotion. Well, you know, I think that in, in life, when we think about losses, I don't know that it's necessarily the immediate loss that you're so afraid of. It's the next day. It's the day that awakens without the thing. Maybe it's the person, maybe it's the job, maybe it's the dream, whatever thing it is that you lost. You know, that that initial shock hurts. I'm not going to deny that. I'm not going to say you're not afraid in it or angry in it or whatever. But it's really, I mean, that next dawn is the worst. It is awful. And so it's the... It's that moment of realization that like, oh, my God, the sun is going to rise anyway. This day is going to come anyway. People are going to go about their business anyway. And it is also a comfort. Because it's like, look, the worst thing can happen. And the dawn is going to come. And so what are you going to do with it? It's a weird It's a weird emotion, isn't it, when something really tragic happens and, and you Every, every, everyone else's life is carrying on. Oh, God. And you're stuck. Oh, yeah. You? It's yeah. just the strangest yeah. thing. Oh, it is. But then I gradually mean, over time, you realize that, you know, it, the dawn does come. The dawn does come and yeah. it changes. Yeah. You know, and so it's like, yeah, your dawn doesn't look the way it was before and how painful it is. But there are new things to look for. Mm. You know, and so I'm not saying that necessarily it's like grief goes away. You know, that particular dawn, it was after, you know, gosh, well, I've had many dawns like that. <laughs> but um, I would say that the most transformational one was after my husband died. Mm. You know, it's just like 
when people stopped calling, they stopped bringing the casserole over. They stopped, you know, calling you to say, hey, like, you okay? How you doing? What can I bring? Two, three weeks and then. Yeah. yeah, The funeral is over. Mm. People go back to doing whatever they were doing. And then you're sitting there and everything is overwhelming. Mm. You just feel so lonely. You know, and at that moment, I had a four-year-old daughter. I was in a really big job. Um, I had intended on being a single parent. <laughs> and so I was just like, what, a, what am I supposed to do? You know, what, what is life supposed to be now? Because this is not what I wrote. This is not what I expected. This is not what was promised to yeah. me. You know, I don't know who promised it, but it wasn't what it was promised. I'm like, how do I return to sender this this life that has been given to me? How do I yeah. return this? You know what I mean? And I was sitting there in the dawn just feeling so, I don't know what the word is. Like I was afraid, but also despondent, you know, and also angry, hmm. just pissed off. They're like, why do all these other people get to walk around having the life that they dreamed of? What happened to mine? What was it like when you first sort of went back to work after that? Oh, well, that's actually, I mean, all of these things were, I mean, now, of course, I can look back and say it was such a miracle of a time. You know, I know that's probably a weird word to use Mm. to describe like death of my husband and going through bereavement and returning to work and all those pressures. But it was a miracle because so many things changed in my life because of that moment. It's a hard thing to actually think about. You know, again, like the sliding doors where it's like, what would my mm. life be like right now if he hadn't died? That's very deep thing, man, isn't it? You know, what what would it yeah. be? It wouldn't be this, I promise you. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have been so fed up with the life I was living. Because that's what made me look at it. You know, my dad he he died four days before his forty fourth birthday. And I was thinking, God. There was so much potential. Yeah. So many things he wanted to do that he didn't do. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, God, like, is this it? Like, is this job, this is this is it? And I, look, it wasn't like I was doing small things. I had just put Beyonce on the Super Bowl. <laughs> I had Bruno Mars had just gone on. I had, like, Lady Gaga and Katy Perry coming up. Like, it wasn't like I was doing small things. But I, I was just sitting there thinking, like, oh, God. But I just got to go to the office and send more emails. Yeah. And then suddenly, well, that feels trivial, doesn't it? That it really pointless. does. It feels, yeah. it totally, it just feels uninspired. Mm. And that's what I was feeling. I was like, oh, you know what? No. Like, I've got I've to do something else. Like, I've got to really do something else. And actually, it was a conversation <laughs> with Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine that changed it. Wow. It's like, it was two months after Peter had died. And I was living in New York. That's where our home was. And um, I came to L.A. actually for my sister's wedding, uh, which was also a difficult thing because it was like she was getting married and I had just lost mine. And it was just, you know, all these heady things. And um, uh, somebody new in the business was like, Jimmy, Ivine, and Dr. Dre want to talk to you about the business they're building. And I was like, what the fuck for? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know anything about that, you know? And um, and also, I was just like, okay, I don't know. So I go yeah. meet with them. And, you know, in the conversation, they told me about what they were building with Beats Music off of the back of Beats by Dre, mm. the electronics company. Yeah. 
And I was like, I don't know anything about streaming music. I have no idea what you're talking about. You know, and they were just like, no, 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 but we like what you're doing. And we want you to come here. And they didn't even know what I was going through. They had no idea. They They did not know anything. And so I told them. Wow. In that moment. I mean, again, like Mm. a point of like, I don't know, Mm. today, you know, it's like, do you tell somebody, you know, prospective employer, like, oh, I'm going through the worst period of my life, you know, or do you put on the bravado and say, I can do this job? No. I just said, hey, look, like, this is probably not the right time. I'm in like some deep, dark grief. And there's no way that I'm going to do this. And Jimmy actually said the thing that, you know, forever inspires me. He was like, well, then what are you going to wake up for tomorrow? Hmm. You know, he's like, don't you need something that's going to make you wake up? Like you could be in a cave. Nobody would blame you if you went and laid in a cave somewhere. Yeah. And I was like, oh, God, I think he's right. You know, and it's the thing I think about constantly. So the dawn is that. What are you going to wake up for tomorrow? Is it good enough for the life that you're living? Like, do you feel inspired by it? If you don't, change your life. Yeah. Change it. It's totally within your power. It's amazing, isn't it, how after these like life-changing events, actually opportunities come, don't they? Yeah. You can't see them at the time. But um, I, I, I think it's funny, actually, I was writing down the, the, the five toughest things I've been through in the last few years. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 just, I was just listening to your book thinking, you know, yeah. what, what would my equivalent be? And it's mm. funny, I put the pandemic as number five. It didn't, it didn't even make the top three, you know, because I, <laughs> like, I managed to a fire burned down and right. like, like, got oh fired twice. A whole lot of stuff. Right. <laughs> this is pretty you know, Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. like, come on, punch me again. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah take really. It. But, but the weird, weird thing as I was reflecting on it was... Um, each of them led to something amazing happening, mm. but I didn't know at the time. You, you just don't know, do you? But be almost forced into this position where, look, am I going to let it beat me? Yeah. Or am I going to actually go see the dawn right. and do something with oh, it? Oh, God. You know, and that's the thing, isn't it? And so many people I see, it's defeated them. You know, they're yeah. still in that I've been made redundant or yeah. whatever, or, you know, this has happened. Yeah. But I think what inspired me listening to you was how, I think you called it the phoenix from the flame, didn't you? Yes. But it's like every time. Every it's time. It's like, I'm going to choose for this not to defeat me. Yes, because it is a choice. It is, yeah. It's more of a choice than we think it is, isn't it? That, that's, that's, I think that's the psychology right here, Yes, isn't it? Yes, it is absolutely more of a choice than we think it is because we're so caught in the event and feeling like this life is happening to me that we forget that we have the choice hmm. to make something different, to... Take it and do something else with it. It's yeah. not, I'm not pretending like it's easy now. You know, like I know it sounds like I'm saying, oh, just get up and go do the thing. I didn't say that. Yeah. It's like, no, but it is your choice. It is. Totally. Like the the joy, the happiness, the ab- ambition, you know, the like unapologeticness, the the fire, the roof that you feel now. This is all, these are choices that I'm making. I woke up this morning and decided that I was going to do this today. Exactly. You know, and these are the things that make the life. And so all I'm asking of myself, of you, of anyone who encounters my book or me or whatever, is that is just that. Like, make the choice. Yeah. I don't just let life happen to you. Make the choice. Decide. They're like, okay, maybe I'm in a job I don't like. All right. I'm in a relationship I don't like. Okay. Well, you're making a choice to yeah. be in that. And that is Okay. If you feel like that's what you got to do right now, that's okay. I'm not saying that you should feel badly about it. But then what is your choice tomorrow? And what is your choice the day after that? 
And if you continue to choose this, then just know it's your choice. That's mm. okay. But it's your choice. You're not a victim to it. I think the other powerful thing about the conversation, you know, you had after your husband died as well, was that when you reach out to people and, mm. you know, you get introduced to people, you extend your network, amazing things happen, don't they? Oh, my God. And that's God. the other thing. I mean, yeah. I know we were chatting earlier I was, uh, after I got fired from a job. <laughs> I, I wrote this 100-day plan. I didn't have anything to do, right? So I wrote this 100-day plan. I was like, I'm going to meet 100 people, right? Right. And it was insane, the generosity that people have and the introductions oh and, and things that came. It was just, just yeah. you know, life-changing and yeah. led to lots of cool things that are happening now. But that people forget the power of the network. And this is what you've built yes. you know, through your work, your reputation, through the yeah. book, things you're doing. It just creates this network effect, yes. doesn't it, for yes. you personally. Yeah, yeah. But also, also because I, I actually truly have a curiosity. Yeah. You know, I don't think your 100-day plan or whatever end up being <laughs> would have worked unless you actually had a genuine curiosity for people yeah you know without that it becomes boring <laughs> and stale and i don't think people realize that other people can feel that yeah you know it's like i'm in this conversation with you and i hope you can feel my passion because i'm actually passionate about being here yeah. i'm passionate about having this conversation with you yeah. i'm enjoying it you can't go 30 seconds with you without getting that passion <laughs> <laughs> just, to, just to clarify oh, no. i don't always go in places i don't want to be you know what I mean? i'm like so that but that's but to your point it's like look i i think you decided on your 100 day plan because you're like, oh, I don't have any feelings. I, I, I must do something. That was a choice that you made. Yeah. And then you went and did those things because you actually enjoy people. You enjoy meeting them. Sometimes that doesn't work for everybody. You know, not everybody can do that. And so now you got to make a different plan. And so that's also why people are like, oh, you know, tell us the blueprint. Like, how did you do it? And I'm going to go do that. And I'm like, eh, it might not work for you. Yeah, so true. So true. It's also the stories we tell about ourselves and the narrative we write. I, mean, I noticed mm. you changed your LinkedIn profile, didn't you, recently? Oh, yes. You took out all the companies you work for and you went with Entrepreneur. So tell me what was behind that, because I, I, I love that. It got an amazing response. Yes. Well, you know what's so funny is that, um, gosh, this is a, a really tough one to also tell, but in, I would say, like, my last, I'll say maybe or corporate jobs, <sighs> I got really tough feedback that it's like, hey, look, like, you are not bigger than the company. Mm. You know, like, you're, you're in the company. You are Bose who works at, fill in the blank. You're not just Bose. And it was really, really tough because I never felt like I was just trying to disrespect my colleagues or, you know, disrespect the brand or anything. Because I was always felt like, oh, but I love the brand. If this is, I'm selling this and I want to sell this. I'm really excited about selling that. And I love that you want to sell it too. So let's all sell it together. But the way that I live my life, how open I am about it, the traction I get with other people, people don't call it the, you know, personal brand, all those things meant that, yes, my name carries weight also. Mm. My reputation comes before me. And so that has had its positives and it's had its negatives. And so having the freedom to say, it's just Bose now. Yeah. There's nobody else. There's no Bose at X, Y, and Z place was such a freeing thing. And I was like, oh my God, but it was scary to do that. Because my identity has always been wrapped up. Yeah. And that was the irony of it. Because I'm just like, but 
my my identity is wrapped up in the place I live or the place I work or the relationship I have to whatever organization. And so without that, who am I? And do I matter? Am I important? Do I still get invited to the parties? <laughs> you know, it's like all of those things. And so it was a very scary thing to do. And then on top of that, it wasn't like, oh, I'm the CEO of name the company I created. It was just like, no, just entrepreneur. Yeah. I don't even know what that means. I'm not quite sure what I've created, but okay, fine. But you're right, because so many people chase the name above the door, don't they? Yes. Like, you know, I work at Nike, I work at Apple, you know, yeah. that, that, that's their identity. Yeah, yeah. But if you don't have that, and if you've never, I hate to say it this way, because I know ex-colleagues will probably be chomping at this, but if you've never cared. Yeah. And it's not because I didn't care about the company or I didn't care about the work, but you could fill in anything burlap sack and if i want to market that burlap sack i'm going to be as passionate about it i promise you mm. and so that's what people felt from me not so much that like i didn't care if it was apple or pepsi or whatever it's just that like i don't know it could have been anything but i'm here to do the work yeah. and i'm here excited about the work so what's the potential now for bose <laughs> i'm dying to find I out i know exactly right brand bose what's this chapter gonna be well you know but that's what's actually so fun about this chapter. You know, it's like, yes, of course I could be really scared because look, I mean, I might as well say it. It's like, look, I'm in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. You know, it's like, what do you really do? Yeah. As a marketer after that. Yeah. You know, it's like, do you go back into the game? Eh, eh. You know, that kind of sounds well, it's silly. Not gonna, it's not going to match it, is it? Uh, yeah. That's the thing. And then it's like, uh, you know, what are the companies? Like, yeah. where else do I want to be? And do I want to start my own thing? Do I want to consult? You know, it's like, do I want to like go in and be, uh, what do they call the fractional CMOs? Oh, that? that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, people have been telling me that for the last <laughs> couple of months. I'm just like, what is that? I'm not doing that either, you know? But the thing is that like, I very much like how I feel about the world anyway mm -hmm. and about my experiences. Because look, I could not have predicted this. Could not. 20 years ago. When I was with Spike, you couldn't have said like, oh, what is your career going to look like? And I would have ever said this to you. I already told you. Like, yeah. in the middle of it, I was just like, oh, great. I'm, in, I'm just going to stay right here in the middle. Very comfortable place to be. And I'll never get to the corner office or whatever. And so I could not have predicted this career. But it has been part of the instinct, part of my gut that has told me to go to this place or that place or that place. By the way, any of those moves... And I know this is going to sound insane, but I promise you, none of those moves were ever celebrated by anybody. Not one. Really? No, no. When I was leaving Pepsi yeah. to go to Beats, people were like, oh, how could you? You just lost your husband. You need stability. You need to be around colleagues you've been around. Because I'd been at Pepsi for 10 years. I don't yeah. think people realize yeah. that. I was yeah. there for a decade. And so it's like, don't, you know, don't shake things up. You don't know, you're going to go with a gangster rapper and a music producer? Like, they don't, they don't know what it is about marketing. They're not going to know what it is about the music business or the product. And I was like, okay. And then when we were sold to Apple, and it was like, okay, you know, it was like, don't go in there. Because that's a big, heavy monster. They won't understand you. You're going to get it with all those tech bros in Silicon Valley. That's not the place for a nice black girl. Yeah, okay, well, I'm going to go anyway. And then it was like, I left Apple to go to Uber. And people were like, don't go to Uber. That's a hell of a company. Don't you see it's going down, it's tanking. <laughs> Travis Kalanick getting killed out there. 
And I'm like, yeah, but I kind of like him. Okay, well, I guess I'll go over there. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then it's like, I was an Uber, and it's like, shit was going wild, and oh, we're going to we're gonna IPO that at any moment. platforms, you avoid I'm that telling one. you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> People are like, oh. Ari Emanuel was like, come to Endeavor. He's making what was like a, you know, agency of like, you know, actors and actors blah, blah, into like a monster, you know, with like acquiring all these other, acquire the UFC. And people are like, he, he's just an agent. He doesn't know what he's doing. Don't leave Uber because it's going to IPO. You're going to miss all that money. But I was like, yeah, I'm going to go over to Endeavor. And then I was at Endeavor and then the pandemic hit. And Netflix called. People are like, don't go there. <laughs> Because it's a middle of the pandemic. You don't know what's going to happen. It's a bubble. All these people are flocking to this streaming site. But what's going to happen when they all leave? And the pandemic is over. You know it's going to be over in three months. Yeah. So don't go. <laughs> and I went anyway. You know? So now I sit here and I got a lot of people who are like, oh, don't do this. Don't do that. Oh, my God, do this. Oh, my God, do that. And so the work that I'm doing right now is actually to be quiet. To listen to myself. Mm. To be very intentional about what it is that I want to do. I have followed my own advice my entire career. It has not yet failed me. And so now it's still the work of trying to be solid. Well, it brings us back to where we started, isn't it? Is that voice, the instinct? Yes. You know, what's in here? Right. Everyone else is overthinking it for you. Oh, my you God. Know, the reason, the logic, the, you, know, the re- you know, the data, all those Oh, my things. God. Everyone. Oh, my God. It's like, the funny thing is, like, even going back to the personal brand, right? Like, people will say things like, oh, now that you have that job, you know you shouldn't do da da da. Oh, you know you shouldn't wear that. Oh, you know you shouldn't say that. Oh, don't give your political ad- opinion. Yeah. And I'm like, when the hell did I ever listen to any of y'all? <laughs> Never. <laughs> Why would they start now? Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. But, you know, it's surprising what people bows. do. Oh, my <laughs> more God. Bows, exactly. Well, you know, it's like I also recognize that most of the time people aren't advising you because they hate you. You know, they're advising you because they love you. Yeah. And they want to protect you. Yeah. But exactly. Yeah, sweet now, I have a feeling we could carry on for quite some time, but I probably <laughs> have to let you go at some point. <laughs> but, but I will no say, point. everyone, everyone should get a copy of the book. Um, and be ready, be prepared. Oh. Uh, it's a, an emotional roller coaster. But thank you mm. for writing it and being so honest thank as you. well. And it will. It, I know it'll impact lots of people. I appreciate so that thank very you. much. Thank you for being honest as well about your career yes. and what you've learned in it and what comes next, right? Oh, this is, this is cool. Maybe I'll come back. Yes. We want an update. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have exactly. a studio by then. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yes, exactly. We'll be upgraded. You know. I'll try and match the studio then too. If you wouldn't mind. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, been amazing. I appreciate it. What fun. Thank you for listening and watching The Uncensored CMO. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Bose. I certainly thoroughly enjoyed recording it. Now, if you never want to miss an episode again, please do hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you'd like to follow me, I'm over on LinkedIn at John Evans or find me on Twitter at Uncensored CMO. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.